and you're listening to The Fluid Show. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to The Fluent Show. <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving living and learning languages. Hello, my name is Kirsten Cable and I am here to tell you about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. In today's episode, something extremely interesting shall be discussed and that is the Langfest Conference in Montreal, Canada, which ran from the 23rd to the 25th of August 2019 and I've just come back from Langfest, captured lots and lots of audio there for you and you're going to hear from the participants, you're going to hear from some of the speakers and you're going to hear, I, I can't even wait to tell you about this, it's going to be so, so cool, from the most creative, moving, impressive and just mind-boggling result of the session that I ran with Maria Ortega-Garcia, who you may have heard on the podcast recently. So all of that is coming up. Plus, I'll tell you about my own trip, my own education, you know, I'm not just here to teach you, my own education, a trip to Podcast Movement in Orlando, Florida. So I've just spent several weeks in the eastern part of the United States and then went to the eastern part of Canada. Wonderful time and I'm back here in the UK in the studio slash spare bedroom in Canterbury, ready to tell you all about languages and tell you what it was like. By the way, today's language intro came from Scotty, who you might hear about later a little bit more. And he was an attendee at Langfest. So the intro this week was recorded at Langfest. And just in case you couldn't figure it out, it was in Irish Gaelic. Thank you, Scotty. Now, before we crack on, there's obviously some announcement that I have to make and obviously someone I have to tell you about and that is our wonderful sponsor italki. Italki is an online language learning platform focused on one thing that it does super super well and that is connecting you with language tutors of a million billion, well not quite, but language tutors of 150 plus languages and there are over 10,000 italki tutors waiting to meet you. You will be connected with them. You will be able to see their schedule. You can see their videos there and you can read their introductions. You can see what kind of language they offer. So you can pick your own specialization. If you've got a specific need, Italki has got the tutor for you. And like I said, the language range in Italki goes way beyond what most apps or textbooks in the library can offer you. There's just people there who are excited and happy to teach their language no matter where they are so you might want to learn Quebecois French you might want to learn French for tourism in France you might want to learn business English or you might just really want to learn more about a specific type of English what about English, English from India what about English from Nigeria or South Africa so many options and you'll be able to find a specialist for often half of the price of your group lessons that you might go to in your city Italki is also very convenient because your tutor and you will connect on Skype or on Zoom or on FaceTime. Whatever video calling system you would like to use, 
they've got you covered and they'll put you in touch. So if you want to have this authentic, real and and culturally relevant experience talking to somebody who teaches you the language where it is spoken as it is spoken so you get the real language not just uh, you know textbook can i smoke here or something that isn't really relevant anymore if you want that i think probably nothing beats a good one to one tutor they're not always easy to find so prepare to try out maybe two or three people it's not you it's just that people's style are different but when you find the chemistry with a good tutor Oh my god, you will you will see your learning speeds, you will see your results double. It's going to be amazing. If you've never tried Italki before or if you want to support the Fluent show, let Italki know that I sent you over there. Here is the link I would love for you to try out. It is fluentlanguage.co.uk/italki. That's fluentlanguage.co.uk/italki. And on Italki If you're new to them, that link is also going to give you $10 for free. Wonderful. Thank you so much to Italki, as always, for sponsoring The Fluent Show. Now, let's get into my my trip report and stories from what I did. And I'll get, I'll just dedicate a few minutes to telling you about podcast movement because you, listener, Wherever you are right now, you are such an important part of this community. I was absolutely delighted. I had I found that I have a listener in Orlando. Hi, Sean. I've got a listener in Charlotte. Hey, Matthew. Just all these listeners. And then obviously there are listeners in Montreal. Wherever I went, I was able to connect with somebody who, who did listen to The Fluent Show. And this makes me beyond happy. And that's why it's important for me to tell you about things like attending podcast movement because this podcast is every bit yours as much as as it is mine and we're not going to be able to do a patreon on a live event and all this cool stuff these things don't happen without your support and your participation so never take it for granted how grateful i am to you for listening just as a fun kind of <laughs> connection to language learning i attended this talk about being a niche podcast which kind of just means what it means i'm not we're not true crime you know we don't have a million billion listeners and i felt so buoyed up and encouraged making a niche podcast like the fluent show is kind of like having an unusual hobby like language learning so you kind of tell people what it is and then no one looks impressed <laughs> do you know do you know that uh, so people they really don't really know what to say oh i make a podcast about language learning and they say oh cool okay dum, 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 dum. <laughs> so for me it was this was really reassuring to know that other podcasters out there the guy who gave the talk makes a show about um h hvac so about air conditioning about fixing air conditioning units and he said it's just it's special because you're making something special for an audience that really wants to hear about it that's how i feel as well so i'm not trying to you know look as sexy as possible being the language learning podcaster but i'm just trying to share with you the excitement that I have and all the thoughts that I have and he said something that I really loved and I'm celebrating and I wrote it in my bullet journal so you I'm just going to share this quote with you and he said this we're all weirdos in our own way and that's us and that's why I love having you here listening to me and why I'm here talking to you because there's nothing like a, a group of language learners I have a related final podcast news related item and that is just in case you're interested the production company Wondery 
who make very big sort of hit true crime podcasts like Dirty John and they've made something called Dr. Death have now offered Dr. Death in seven languages. How cool is that? How cool is that? So if you want your true crime podcast fix and you're feeling a little bit guilty, perhaps, that you're not practicing languages at the same time, now you can. I've started listening to the French version this morning. It is called Dr. La Mort. And it's not always that easy to understand, but it's an interesting show and I'm just so excited to follow it. So in the show notes for today, which you'll find at fluent.show slash 150, Look for a link to Seven Languages of Wondery or simply look for a translation of Dr. Death in your target language. If you are an aspiring podcaster, I have a recommendation for you, and that is to download my mini guide to podcasting. I made one entirely for free because I'm excited about people who want to start a podcast. I'm happy to be a part of your week and maybe you feel like podcasting as well. I've done this for over four years now and we're just we're on episode 150 today which is a massive so I know what it is like I know how rewarding it is to make this show and if you are interested in creating something similar I've collected a few tips for you because what you probably shouldn't do is just go out buy yourself a microphone that's got lots of good reviews spend more money than you need to and then start talking and run out of ideas at, at episode three. So what I focused on is how to organize your content. This is great if you're a language teacher or a language learner wanting to share your own journey or you could even use it for, for blogging in a slightly adapted way. That is at fluentlanguage.co.uk slash mini podcast guide and you'll also be able to find it in the show notes as always so simply just click through to fluent.show slash 150 let's take a breath and get on to a report from langfest now if you've never heard about langfest or polyglot conference or polyglot gathering polyglot this you know polyglot that uh, there's a cruise coming up next year if you've never heard about any of those things before let me tell you what a language conference is all about a language conference is a special event full of workshops talks and so many social activities including boozy karaoke, but also cultural tours, little guided walks in other languages, perhaps a visit to the local market. So you really get to know a city and you get to know so many other language learners and you're going to be sitting in all of these sessions together, learning about things you've never even dreamed about. It is amazing. I've attended three polyglot gatherings, two langfests, one polyglot conference. And of course, I run, I have run so far as a part of this wonderful team with Shannon Kennedy and Lindsay Williams, two women in language events. And nowhere are people friendlier. Nowhere are people in any way more accepting. It's just a lovely community and you are always very, very welcome. So if you have looked perhaps eyed up an event like this in the past and you're wondering if you are, I don't know, polyglot enough, let me tell you one thing. Every single time I go, someone gives me some sort of apology about, oh, I only know three languages. And I think there is a huge difference between being a multilingual person where perhaps, I don't know, you can 
one up each other if you wish. I don't know. And and being a polyglot, which is this sort of there's a passion, there's a nerdery, there's a real like major dedication, and really that's that's being a hobby learner. And it, the definition to me just doesn't cover how many languages you you speak. It's just just because numbers are measurable or something and we know which one's bigger than you know i know we know that the number five is bigger than the number four that doesn't mean anything at all if your life involves learning languages then hell you are welcome at the polyglot anything you're welcome at langfest you're welcome at women in language yeah you'll totally run into the guy who will tell you about his i don't know 60 languages but it turns out even the creator of like legends, like Klingon language. Ultimately, it's just here for a beer and to talk about what they like most, which is languages. All that fun stuff being said, I want to introduce you to a few of the people that I met at Langfest 2019. And I'll start you off with possibly the youngest participant, which is Senna. And she'll tell you how old she is and which languages she speaks. I'm eight years old, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be, um, this year I'm going to be nine years old. And today we are, where are we at? Um, Langfest. My languages are Turkish, English, Russian, Serbian, and... And French. And French. Which one did you learn first? My, I think Turkish because it's my language, yeah. which we talk at home. So that's why Turkish, I think. Yeah. So you speak Turkish at home. Yeah. Where do you speak English? Mostly outside. Mm-hmm. Because outside... Yeah, Montreal yeah, outside because you know English is like every in the every single part of the world it's like um their uh, yeah okay what about Russian how did you learn Russian because uh, actually it was easy because uh, I knew um I knew this. Um, Serbian? Serbian, so Serbian, well, uh, it was easy, so Russian and Serbian is so close, and I somehow I, I heard from somewhere and from some TV shows, stuff like that, oh. and I, I started to talk. You started to talk in Russian? Yeah. What can you say in Russian? Spasiba. Spasiba. Uh, what does that mean? That means thank you. Ah, spasiba. Pajalsta. Mm-hmm. Pajalsta. That means like please. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Nyet. Nyet. That, that means, means no. no yes. yes. What about Serbian? How did you learn Serbian? I was bored. Actually, I was bored there. So if I'm bored there, I should learn it too. So I learn it from my school. From your school? So your school in Montreal is teaching you Serbian? No, Uh from my uh, school from Serbia. Ah. I was like there 
when I was six age. After that, after my six age, after somehow we come here. Uh, when I come here, they said I should learn, you know, French. So I should I learn it from my school. Mm-hmm. French school. Et maintenant, tu parles français aussi? Ouais. Ah, très bien, tu parles français. Quand, euh, quelle langue est-ce que tu parles à l'école? À l'école, je parle français, mais quelquefois je parle anglais avec mes amis qui sont, qui sont plus habitués à plein mm -hmm. parler à anglais. Puis c'est ça. Et as-tu aussi des, des amis qui parlent turkish ou qui parlent serbien? Um, Turkish, yes, but not Serbian. And how many languages do you want to learn in your life? Can you imagine? Twenty. Um, Twenty languages. <laughs> And have you ever taught somebody something in a language? Um, at home, like one day, I was speaking to my dad. I forgot. At first, I speak English. Then I forgot the... Um, little thing that I should say in English so yeah. I said it on Turkish and I forgot the thingy that I should say in Turkish so I said it in um, Serbian <laughs> Can you languages that's amazing how about if we say to the listeners goodbye in, ben, in Turkish görüşürüz 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 Yeah, mostly we use that, but bye-bye, we could say that, bye-bye, or gule-gule, we could say that too. Gule-gule, it, 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 for the other people not Turkish, it will be easier because, you know, you repeat the same thing again, gule-gule, so it will be maybe easier. Yeah. Oh, you're a good teacher, okay. Gule-gule. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> And there's one of the things I love about language learning events is that you get to learn just so many different languages. And of course, one of the places where we learn all these languages is in the workshops. And this year at Langfest was great, as always, with a big double whammy of fictional languages. I learned some Dothraki. I've learned some Klingon. Oh my God. It was a, a double pack of, of Conlang goodness. I learned how to pronounce a little bit of Gujarati. Not easy. Ooh. And there was a signed languages talk as well. And signed languages are a big passion for Scotty from Canada, who sat down to talk with me about his languages. Let's have a listen to him. So you're Scotty? Yes. How I'm many? Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> What languages have you got on your badge? Uh, English, French, Irish, Dutch, German, Mandarin, American Sign Language, British Sign Language, and German Sign Language. Gosh, that's an awful lot, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What education did you do in sign languages? How did it start? I did American Sign Language and Deaf Studies in Vancouver. I started with a night class that was the prere prerequisite for the full-time program. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of was planning on doing the night class and ended up doing it. For a few years. <laughs> what kept you? What kept you around ASL? It's the community, strong deaf community in Canada. So, I don't know. They're just so cool. And it's so <laughs> unique <laughs> because the deaf community is so isolated from the rest of the world that anybody who wants to like 
dip their toes into it is welcomed with like the most open of arms. Okay. So, yeah, it's easy. So people people practice with you. People. Who oh yeah. Anybody, if there's anybody who signs or anybody that's deaf, they'll just go a hundred percent full force signing with you and just go until until you're comfortable. <laughs> is Canadian sign language the same as ASL? Ah, so we do use American Sign Language in Canada, mm -hmm. but we definitely have a distinct accent. For the most part, it's the same as in the States, but we also have uh, Quebec Sign Language and a Maritime Sign Language and several Indigenous Sign Languages. The Quebec Sign Language is French-based or English-based? Are they even based on a spoken language? <laughs> it's the Quebec one, from my understanding, I haven't like look too much into it is French monks teaching the in the boys school and English speaking nuns speaking in the or teaching in the girls school and then when the community came together it became Quebec sign language it became Quebec sign language from what I've heard I'm not 100% sure so, <laughs> so a man and a woman meeting lock eyes fall <laughs> deeply in love don't understand each other is that yeah I guess so no way <laughs> crazy. Do you think sign languages are misunderstood? Absolutely. In what way? I feel like people think it's just like a gestured code for a spoken language instead of an actual living, completely individual language with its own community. And I think people think they just go alongside with spoken languages, where a really good example is British Sign Language is nothing like American Sign Language because the deaf people aren't near each other. And like you can write a letter in English across the ocean, but you can't write a letter in sign language across the ocean. So they developed their own. They mm -hmm. developed differently. Wow. Oh, and you told me you told me that this fact about the American indigenous languages. Yeah. It was mind blowing. <laughs> so share that one again. <laughs> um, before Europeans came to North America, hand talk or Plains sign languages were some of the most spoken languages in North America or most used languages in North America. So you you would have people from various different communities coming coming together and essentially the the language that they used to understand each other would have been sign. Yeah, variations of sign languages. Yeah, it was the language of trade. Oh wow! Yeah, and a lot of written indigenous languages are written representations of the sign languages instead of the spoken languages mm -hmm. because written and signing are both visual but spoken is not within North America the deaf community is a lot more like not proud because deaf people everywhere are very proud of their culture but a lot more like we're deaf we don't need spoken language mm -hmm. where in the UK it's very common to learn to lip read and speak from a young age where in North America that's just not common mm. like they're very proud of their language and don't feel obliged to go out of their way to include people who don't include them by speaking mm -hmm. like they're just comfortable with their language and their culture and doing their own thing they're doing their own thing. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense if someone wants to get started with american sign language british sign language deutsche gebärdensprache anything like that where would you what would you give them as a tip to get started Uh, YouTube. YouTube. Find vloggers okay. that yeah. vlog in their languages. Those are very helpful because there's not a lot of... Or there is a lot of online dictionaries, but a lot of them can be very outdated. Mm -hmm. Or pair up a lot with the spoken language rather than being their own 
thing. Um, for ASL specifically, there's the ASL app, which is new and very current and has a lot of more like PC terms that a lot of older dictionaries don't have. And a lot of those words can be quite offensive. So it's mm -hmm. nice to have something new and current and updated. Uh, so when we're thinking about sign languages, we're actually thinking about another group of languages similar to indigenous languages, similar to minority languages, sort of still having to fight for their recognition, still having to fight to be understood yeah. for, for, for the way that they are. Yep. But in Canada, indigenous sign languages just got recognized oh, as yeah. official languages. This so, is awesome. Yeah. Well, what do you think it makes, what kind of difference do you think it's going to make? I think it, like, it'll give maybe a bit more recognition to those communities and show that they exist because people already think sign languages universal and if people within Canada think ASL is the one used all over North America even though there's several smaller groups then who knows maybe people will start learning indigenous sign languages or sharing their sign languages mm. with the world instead of keeping them to themselves yeah. I think sometimes what happens is that the communities don't share because they've had so much pushback in the past yeah. and they've had so much oppression in the past that they, they just they learn to keep to themselves because it's safer yeah there we are changing <laughs> changing so you're changing the world basically by learning a few sign languages <laughs> anything from langfest that you're gonna take with you take away anything you're gonna incorporate in your language learning maybe sharing more about it like oh my god yeah seeing your talk and for public speaking maybe it's time for me to get up and share a bit of what I know <laughs> I would absolutely love that okay Scotty Scotty Glott with I-E yeah S-C-O-T-T-I-E-G-L-O-T -T -E that's me on Instagram yes everybody follow Scotty <laughs> so let me guess your list by now probably sounds like this Turkish possibly Serbian Russian and I definitely want to learn some ASL so how about we add another language into the mix? And I've got a recording from our language workshop called Breton is cool. And here's a little sample of what Breton sounds like and why it's so, so cool. Just in case you're in any doubt, that was a total drinking song. Save it for the next time you're down the pub and impress your friends with a bit of Breton. <laughs> if you want to know more about the Breton language, because I certainly did, and because I was right there, I grabbed Carl, who had led the session, and asked him a few questions about Breton and why he decided to hold a workshop on this specific language. In addition to being interested in languages, generally speaking, I'm particularly interested in endangered languages uh, and language diversity. And so I wanted to offer one of the, a non-colonial language, so to speak, uh, as part of the experience here. And I thought the one that might stand out and be of most interest to some of the folks attending the festival was Breton, in part because since we're in Quebec, 
there are many people in Quebec who have Breton heritage, uh, if you go far enough back. So I thought that maybe some of the people would be trying to reconnect with their ancestral languages, or maybe they would be just curious enough to kind of uh, get a sampling or taste of what it was like. I think language learning, once you get past the languages that are imposed on you by the society that you live in, uh, is a very personal thing. Uh, and some people learn languages because they're interested in the cultures that those languages are associated with. Some of those, some people are interested in learning languages because it's connected with different identities that they may have themselves. And that's kind of where the heritage stuff comes in. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say that I've encountered folks with minority languages that are doing it for one reason over others, unless we're talking about in spaces that are historically used by speakers of that minority language. How would somebody go about learning Breton if they are interested? Well, so these days there is resources online, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the things that I can think of off the top of my head are uh, there's a site, kerdvarker.org. Uh, that's, that's an old site. When you go to it, you'll say, oh, man, this is like from the 1990s. Yeah, and I think it is. But it's got some... Uh, useful language learning tools on there. A more recent site that requires a membership is Edubreis, uh, E-D-U-B-R-E-I-Z-H dot, I can't remember if it's com or edu or dot something. Yeah. Uh, but that's a more modern approach that will have some videos and talks about the uh, arranging lessons according to the European standards, okay. uh, stuff like that. Uh, and then there are books that one can use. Uh, if you go onto Amazon and type Breton or Bresonig or any of the keywords, you'll find some things that could be useful. Uh, studying, if you happen to have some time and want to see a little bit of Brittany, there are several places that offer summer week-long immersions or weekend immersions during the year. A lot of the site information might be more available in French than in English, however. Okay. Uh, Breton seems to be... Breton materials seem to be dominated by French Breton as opposed to other options. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's particularly language nerdy or particularly passionate, it's actually a great language to learn through the medium of French. So you can you can get your French to the next level and also learn Breton. That's that's one good way to look at it, I think. <laughs> okay, let's finish off learning a bit of Breton. <laughs> Something fairly simple. I guess let's let's say thank you. Okay. Let's say thank you. Do you teach me again? Because you just mentioned it, but I've already forgotten it. So thank you in Breton. Thank you in Breton. Trugares. 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 There we go. Yes. Trugares. Trugares, Carl. Thank you very much. At this point, Fluent Fam, I'm sure you're feeling excited about the many different languages that you can dabble in during 
a lung fest. And as I mentioned earlier, you don't have to be a person who knows a million languages to come to one of these. But there are certain people that you will meet at many, many events who, if you go to perhaps the polyglot gathering and then decide to attend another one and then perhaps decide to attend a similar language event or conference, there are a few people who will become practically your conference buddies and I want to introduce you to one of those which is the lovely lovely Elisa Polese. So Elisa and I found a quiet room and sat down to chat about language learning and Elisa also led one of her own workshops. So first of all let me introduce you to the lovely Elisa Polese. So I teach 13 languages and I've studied 24 of them and uh, yeah I love them. Mm -hmm. Any favorites? Um, I think that in order to speak a language, I need to have a deep connection to languages anyway. So I like all the languages for one, for a reason or for a different reason. Uh, at the moment, I really love speaking Greek, uh, Russian, uh, Hindi and uh, mm, let me think, German. Teaching 13 languages, mm -hmm. learning 24 languages is fairly intimidating for the majority of people. People might think it's very, very scary. Now, I've met you. I think, like, Elisa is a very, very lovely person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scary. <laughs> no. no. Now, anyway, I give uh, uh, classes where I teach multiple languages at the same time. Yeah. And uh, my uh, students are, uh, most of them didn't start as polyglots. So anyone can do it. And uh, um, it's not... I think it's really a matter of small steps and uh, motivation. So not, not everyone has to do it or should do it. It depends whether you have a reason to learn multiple languages. But uh, for sure it's possible for anyone. And what I often say is that uh, the uh, languages are not quantum physics. You can start learning a language from day one and speak it. And uh, I, uh, if you give me a book about quantum physics, I cannot start learning it. <laughs> I have to learn a, a bunch of other books before I can even understand uh, a couple of words in that book that's true wow what's success for you as a teacher and when a student oh when uh, uh, first when my students laugh I'm very happy yeah. <laughs> uh, when I see that uh, they I think that most students not all of them but most students have uh, um, done of They don't treat themselves uh, very kindly. They, they're not aware of that. They get angry at themselves if they don't remember one word. I mean, we are still learning. And uh, uh, for me, it's so nice to see their joy in their eyes when they see that they, they can actually do it. Because it, many people don't learn languages because they think they are not good at them. But actually, uh, there is. I never met a person who couldn't learn a language. So it's really just a matter. Of course, if you if people th if you want to learn a language you don't want uh, even spend five minutes on on the language every day i mean of course it's uh, it's going to it's going to take a long time but uh, um uh yeah so for me it's very very uh, nice when I, i i see my students happy having fun going um, moving forward uh, and uh, enjoying the process mm -hmm. Do you find the same feelings when you are studying languages? Do you get angry at yourself? Do you get frustrated in something like Hindi or in Greek? Mm. 
um, it happened to me in the past, but a long time ago. Then mm. I understood that there is a time for everything. So, for example, I remember more than 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when I started learning German, I I was very upset because I couldn't say sh. Mm. I, I, I knew how to say h. Mm-hmm. But it was very difficult for me. And I was uh, I was in Germany. I, it was my first uh, German course, a summer course. And I thought, okay, but why can I not pronounce it? And then I understood that I was kind of missing the fun. Uh, and uh, there was no point in... Uh, and when we are stressed, uh, we learn even worse. So I was not enjoying the process. I was not uh, uh, treating uh, myself kindly. And then I just decided, okay. Whatever I can learn in these uh, three weeks, uh, it's fine. And then I will continue afterwards. And actually, uh, on maybe a couple of days later, just magically, I could pronounce it. It was really just that when you are too stressed, when you want too much uh, too soon, when you are in a situation where you are not like in a, in a flow state, uh, taking things the way they come, then it's much harder to, uh, to absorb new things. Mm. So just being open. Um, nowadays, I'm not uh, frustrated if I don't remember a word. I know that uh, there are different techniques. Uh, and I, I always uh, um, say, and I believe it's also for myself, that uh, when the moment where I feel a bit frustrated, I think, okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, think of what I can do, uh, or what you can do now, talking to myself or to other people, uh, in order to improve. And then the rest will come. So uh, not anymore, but yes, it happened to me. So there we go. Even teachers of 13 languages know what it's like to feel insecure and get frustrated when you're learning languages. And I have to say, throughout Langfest, Elisa brought the patience of a saint to my very rusty, and rusty is a generous way of describing it, very, very rusty attempts at speaking Italian to her. And I just felt so excited to be speaking Italian at all. So if you're looking for a teacher with a lot of experience, there's one right there. Elisa also contributes to a lot of conferences by holding her own workshops. And here is a recap of what her workshop was all about. You gave a talk yesterday? Uh, Friday, Friday. Yes, yes, you gave a talk mm-hmm. on Friday, yes. which was all about techniques and little things, Strategies, like small learning. things people can do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't have time for all 10 of them. Okay. Yeah, so people, mm-hmm. if you want Elisa's talk, it's going to be on the internet and mm-hmm. you, can, you can find out more about it. What's your favorite out of all of them? Mm-hmm. Like if you could tell people one tip for studying a language. Honestly, for me, it's like uh, studying uh, five minutes every day. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the thing is that most people think that they have to spend hours learning uh, um, uh, language at a time. And then they never start because they think I don't have time. Of course, we never have time. We have to make time. But the most important thing is that if we uh, start uh, too big, then it's very difficult to keep up. So uh, I always uh, cho- uh, choose a, a doable amount of time, a very small one. I know that it doesn't sound much, but... Uh, what I often say is that if you walked for one mile or uh, one kilometer every day, uh, uh, in one year time, you will have walked uh, 365 miles or kilometers, which is a lot. Let's say that you hate walking and it's still a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, five minutes uh, doing the right things, of course, uh, mean, means uh, to move forward. And uh, the, the what most people um, do, uh, I mean, most people who then in the end don't learn a language is the, the fact that then 
they say, ah, I will do it tomorrow. Ah, no, I will do it this weekend. Or And then in the end, they don't do it because they think they have to do too much. But actually, when you start small, you can build, uh, you can build up from there. And it is very important also uh, for me because there are days where I'm writing uh, uh, material, I'm writing uh, books, I'm uh, giving lessons. So I don't have time for everything. But I know that uh, it's important to me the feeling that I'm moving forward and uh, it keeps me motivated. Yeah. So it's, uh, for me, it's one of the most important things. I was so happy to hear Elisa talking about this tip in particular because I so agree. You'll often hear me talking about the Fluent Show, about daily contact with your target language. And by daily contact, I really mean if all you've got is five minutes, it's going to add up. It really is going to add up. And those five minutes so often set in motion a domino effect that gets you doing other things in a language, gets you more interested, gets you wanting to try out more things. So never underestimate the power of just five minutes a day in a target language. Now from Elisa, who is a multilingual brain that is, is almost incomparable, really could be intimidating. I also wanted to introduce you to Maria, somebody I met who was on her second Langfest, I think. And Maria is much earlier on in her polyglot journey. But the excitement of Langfest and the excitement about languages was palpable in her as well. So let's have a listen to Maria, who sat down to talk to me about the Osa, Osa workshop. She can do it right. Let's listen to her do it. I don't speak many. Like, I mean, I speak two languages. I'm not. I'm not really. I mean, I hardly speak French. Or I, I kind of speak French. You Sorry, kind of speak French. I kind of speak. We French. We gotta claim this. French is hard. You know, <laughs> we speak French. Yeah. Okay. We speak French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it ended up being really fun. Everything was really super interesting, and yeah, not intimidating yeah. at all, is it? Not that, because everyone's just so friendly, honestly. Mm -hmm. Everyone's up for to, to talk to you and everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Did it make you more interested it's, in languages? It did, completely. Yeah. So straight after, I was like, wow, I want to become even better at French. I want to get completely fluent. And then just everything, like school and everything, I just ended up not having any time. And I was just like, guess not. But then as soon as I came back here this year again, I was like, and now I want to learn French again. <laughs> even more. It's just hard. The first day, I went to um, the... Sa okay. workshop, Ooh, which well. was yeah, and it was really fun because I learned all the well, I supposedly learned all the clicks, mm -hmm. and so there's a which is a Q and there's a which is the C I think, okay. and then there's a, I can't remember what letter it is but it's O X it's I think but I don't think I can do anything well but amazing amazing yeah okay, I, so I try. That was the Hossa yeah workshop. workshop. Uh -huh, okay. Yeah, that was fun. And then I also went to uh, I went to the Mark Ockrandon, David J. Peterson, who created uh, Klingon and Dothraki, mm -hmm. which was really interesting because they talked for about two hours, but just kind of like enthralled because they were just both such amazing talkers, and it was just so interesting to hear mm -hmm. how they'd created it and all the different problems they'd had with the actors and with the. Um, with the directors and everything yeah. which is really fun and yesterday I went to oh I went to three in French which is kind of interesting because I'm I'm alright at French but obviously watching a lecture in French is quite a bit I went to uh, languages and uh, la le, uh, langues vidéo which was about um, how 
languages are created for video games, how language is used in video games, the objectives and everything, and the localization of video games. Mm-hmm. So, like, exa- for example, in Pokemon, they would have, like, a rice ball in Japan for the good thing and then a sandwich in America uh-huh. to westernize it. And, yeah, it was all quite interesting, and I was quite proud of myself for being able to understand pretty much the, what was happening mm-hmm. in French. But then as soon as the questions got asked, I didn't understand the different change in accents, so I just got a bit lost. (laughs) What are you going to take home from Langfest? Take home? Um, That I want to watch this guy, uh, Big Bong, on YouTube. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to be able to come here maybe some other year in a few years' time and actually be one of the polyglots, maybe, and be able to speak languages. But I don't think I'm going to manage it, but... It'll be fun. Absolutely. Next year we'll see you here again. Beyond the language workshops about specific languages and various language learning methods and strategies, there's always a really great talk to be found about a minority language and there's always some influence from the local community. I've got really great memories, for example, of a trilingual talk about the history of Bratislava and how Bratislava actually spoke Slovak. Slovak, Hungarian and German in the past. So that was fascinating. And Langfest was held in Montreal, which is French-speaking Canada. We know Quebec speaks French. But actually, Leo was here to tell us more about other areas of Canada that speak French too and what it's like to be a French speaker in another part of Canada. So here's Leo presenting his own workshop. So there's like roughly 1, 1.5 million French speakers outside of Quebec in Canada and the other provinces. The most commonly known in New Brunswick, you have the Acadians that are present in Nova Scotia, PEI, that kind of thing. Uh, and you have uh, you have probably six, seven hundred thousand Franco-Ontarian like me mm-hmm. who live all across the province. Uh, and there's a mix of us. We're um, some of us have lived there for generations, uh, even before the British came. Some are more recent immigrants and we're kind of like this diverse group, just like anybody else nowadays. And uh, yeah, we get by. Mm-hmm. We have our own holidays. Uh, the, the September 22nd, we have the Franco-Ontarian holidays, Les Acadiens. They have their holiday too, La Fête Nationale de l'Acadie, which is <gasps> August 15th, I think, just passed yeah. recently. yeah. Don't quote me on that, though. Like, I'm not completely sure. But, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to, to share experience and, and yeah. uh, see what they're all about. If somebody wants to come and experience French-speaking culture in Ontario, what, what's the best thing you'd recommend for them to try? Oh, my God. <laughs> Is it Tim Hortons Donuts? Well, Tim Hortons donuts are typically Canadians. I okay. mean, yeah, that's that's just that's just something you have to do in Canada. It's like <laughs> it's like trying poutine if you're in Montreal or smoked meat. Like, um, I I think yeah, the food is definitely like something that's mm-hmm. different for 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 the French community. For yes, the French communities. What's so. what's a thing to try? French food in Ontario. Um, well, we have our own tortilla, like a, the, the, the meat pie, which is different from... It, yes, it's very rich. You have to, you know, like it's not ma- really made for urban people. It's, okay. 
probably more for rural farmers and and lumberjacks and that kind of thing but it's very traditional and very rich but we celebrate like we have that kind of food at christmas and uh the réveillon and the the, the new years and that kind of thing it's uh it's it's an experience for sure Have you attended anything else in Langfest? Attended any other sessions? What did you enjoy? Well, I, I could. I, I'm a language nerd. I could be here. Like, if there were a Langfest, like for a month with different speakers, I, I'd be. I'd be through it all. I would <laughs> attend it all. I'm always conflicted. Oh no, which one am I going to go now? So that's mm-hmm. that's just me. That if somebody wants to learn a new language, they're not at Langfest nerd stage yet. Right. But they want to start and they're sort of feeling pulled towards a language. What tip would you give them for learning a language? I, I think you have to find your inner motivation for whatever your reason could be. I mean, they're the typical, like, I have to learn it for work or I have to do. But yeah. if you find your real motivation to, to do something, I mean... I see people learning all sorts of difficult language or easy language, whatever it is. Uh, if it's for boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever, like find find your inner reason, your proper motivation, and that's what will keep you going towards your language journey. Thank you very much, Leo. Merci. Listeners, by now, I hope you got the impression how wonderful the Fest was and how many workshops and how much variety there is for the language lovers. So if you're getting excited, I've got a little list of what's next because you may well want to be attending one of these events on your own in the future or perhaps just bring a group of friends. And these are what's coming up. There is, first of all, the Polyglot Conference, which is going to be held for the first time in Asia this year. It's going to be held in Fukuoka and that is in Japan. It's taking place in October 2019. Next in the calendar, we've got something truly special, an online event. You may have heard of it. I'm a co-organizer. Women in Language is going to be back in March 2020, March 2020. And our event, Women in Language, always runs over International Women's Day. That's the 8th of March. So keep an eye out already. Women in Language, just to make you aware, is an event designed to amplify and celebrate and highlight the voices of women in language learning. So all of our speakers are going to be female. But that does not mean that if you're not female, you can or you You have to ignore it. You, you're not allowed in. Not at all. Our ticket sales are open to everybody and we welcome men, women, non-binary. doesn't matter. No matter who you are, what your background, where you're from, you're so welcome at Women in Language. So why not join one of our many, many attendees, you know, say hi in the chat room and watch one of the last year it was or this year it was 30 plus talks in from over four days in so, so many languages. More about women in language coming up in the future. But of course, you know, check out the show notes where I've got a link for you already. Now, if you can't make it in March for any reason, if women in language held online, or if you're just eager to leave the house, the next two big events are number one, this is truly, truly special. There is something called the Polyglot cruise and it's being organized by Chris Broholm and Peter Carroll from the actual fluency podcast and from Rhinospike the polyglot cruise is is it's a genuine cruise ship 
massive cruise ship and is sailing from Barcelona, visiting Italy, visiting Malta and of course, you know, Spain. So you can truly practice your languages. There will be expert speakers on hand, but it's very small, you know, in the grand scheme of things. There's not 700 people there. So hopefully you get a lot of access and really talk to us. And I say us because I am one of the speakers, invited speakers at the Polyglot Cruise. So excited to do this. So excited to meet you all. It's practically sold out, but Chris has agreed to let Fluent Show listeners have one of the last, I think it's two cabins. So really act quickly. The Polyglot Cruise is cruising, sailing from the 18th to the 25th of April 2019. And finally, there's the Polyglot Gathering in Theresien. That's where that's taking place next year, but that's not until May. So Polyglot Conference, Women in Language, and then the cruise, and then the gathering next year. So, so many events. And I just really hope that an episode like this has given you the motivation to join us. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And finally, I've got something truly special because I want to tell you about the workshop that I held at Langfest. And it was a joint workshop with my friend and previous podcast guest, Maria Ortega Garcia. The episode was called How to Play with a Language You Love. And if you haven't listened to it yet, I really strongly recommend go back and have a listen to it. I think it's episode 141. Maria and I spoke about getting creative, allowing yourself to play and allowing yourself freedom in a whole new way in languages that you enjoy and that you love and our workshop was built on this on this belief that when we let go when we let our creativity come through and when we perhaps allow ourselves to just for a minute look past the grammatical and strict rules of language and just express what it is that is on our mind talk about how we are feeling that is when magic happens. And in this workshop, oh my God, magic happened. We talked about creative writing, public speaking and performance. We are so eager to repeat this workshop. So if you missed it, don't fear. We might, hopefully, we, we are going to hopefully bring it to a location near you. If you are interested, always you can always email me or find me on Instagram. Let me know. You know, it's hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk for all inquiries and questions. Let me know and let me know where you are. And a few of the participants from our wonderful workshop stood up and they actually read their poems in the workshops. And guys, I had, I, guys, Fluent Farm, I had tears in my eyes. I couldn't even believe the amazing things that people came out with in, in under 20 minutes. There wasn't that much time. But when you truly allow yourself to, to play with a language, such wonderful things can happen. So I've got two poems for you right here. One is from Carol and she wrote in French. I think she, she wrote a haiku. Let her creativity loose within constraints in a small container. And then we had we had Lance, who wrote his poem in Tagalog, Filipino language. And in the show notes, you'll find the transcripts for both of those poems. And for Tagalog, we've even got the translation. And as another bonus, there is something that I don't know how to read out because it's a visual poem. It's called an acrostic and it comes from Jonathan, another previous podcast guest, Jonathan Huggins, who wrote in English, Russian, Spanish 
and German. So lots and lots of true multilingual magic. And I'm going to finish off this podcast by letting you listen to some of these poems performed by the authors, true artists. Thank you all so much if you came to this workshop. I'm so looking forward to bringing it to you again. So that's it from me for The Fluent Show, episode 150. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget that this podcast is listener-supported, so you can support the podcast simply by telling somebody about it. Shoot a selfie of yourself as you're listening to the show. Tweet it to me, at The Fluent Show, or perhaps tag me on Instagram, hashtag The Fluent Show, or I am Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N underscore fluent. You can email me with questions, you can send me a listener intro or you can ask about workshops or any courses that I've got coming up. That is hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or kirsten at fluentlanguage.co.uk. Both will reach me. And listeners, let's not wait any longer. Let's ring out the show with these wonderful, beautiful poems. Amazing. Langfest 2019, whether you were there or not. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Les gens heureux rient. Ils partagent les histoires bilingues. Je ne peux pas parler. Buongiorno a tutti. Sono Michael degli Stati Uniti. Ho partecipato nella conferenza Langfest con Kirsten. Uh, Avevo preparato un poema uh, e una riflessione sul metro um, andando alla riunione uh, un po' tardi. Uh, ci sono le, uh, le ragioni per partecipare o non partecipare, quindi si chiama pro e contro. Le professore potrebbero dire usci da qui se tardi, ma è possibile. Le altre presentazioni non sono così interessanti. Pensi negli sguardi degli altri, ma è possibile. I miei amici saranno lì. La gente hanno già iniziato. È troppo tardi, aspetti, aspetta. Ma è possibile. Tu puoi imparare qualcosa di meraviglioso. Mi dispiace tanto fare le presentazioni. Ma è possibile. Potrei parlare delle riunioni più tardi con gli, con gli altri amici. Quindi ho deciso. Vado a partecipare. Naglala Garako, Samakalian and Lunsot. India called to meeting in Saibapang Tao. Magakalayata and Magababaina, Nanono Rakosa Canela. Magakalayata and Magalaki, Nagusto Kong, Makipakawai Sakanela. Sawakas, to meeting Alako, Samatao. Ayos. Walang sinumanay tumitingin naman sa akin. Nagsasilita sila sa mga smartphone nila. 
tumitingin din sila sa mga relo nila. Nanonood din sila sa bangketa sa ilalim ng paa. Pero walang sino man ay tumitingin na sa iba pang tao. Iniisip lang silang lahat sa sariling buhay nila.